Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week on The Exchange, we return to the iFilm Museum in Amsterdam for another talk from RA's conference program held during the week of this year's Deckmantle Festival. This time around, we have a live version of our Art of DJing feature series, which offers us a chance to take a closer look at the craft. We were joined by Eleanor Colombi and John Talibot, two DJs with distinct voices who would both play sets at the festival later that weekend. With moderation from Ray Philp, we hear of the joys of playing records at the wrong speed and making your own edits, as well as getting a sense for their respective approaches for finding music and playing back to back. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The Art of DJing Exchange is up next. Two uh, DJs with me. We're going to talk about the art of DJing. Um, I'd like you to please give a hand for Elena Colombi and John Talibot. I guess um, first thing I wanted to like know about was just maybe any like routines you guys have or have developed like before you play, like maybe like an hour before you play or something. I don't have actually a lot of techniques or routines before my gigs I'm just I just want to make sure to make it on time <laughs> first and then like usually when I make plans or when I try to imagine how the gig is gonna be or turn it never happens so it's I all different yeah so I stop making plans and when you stop making plans things get m sometimes more exciting and you're unexpected so there is a point that non-expected things i think it's better when you do this every weekend so it get you don't have provisions or you don't have expectations about it and it gets funnier and sometimes wilder does that just come from the familiar like that kind of comfort with just acting on impulse and just going with the flow does that just come from the familiarity of the situation or is it more about just how you are as a person i think uh, i think it's a mixture of both no it's like a combination of like survival having to be able to adapt to many unexpected situations and personality too because i don't yeah. i don't do routines either i can't possibly even if i try i just fail really badly <laughs> also also i think like we both plays in clubs and festivals everything is super tight like you have a driver at this time you need to met these people at this time you have a plane at this time so everything is really tight so the more loosey it gets the gig the better sometimes even like you play festivals sometimes you don't meet anyone only the driver and someone hosting you in front of 2000 people so and you leave straight after yes and then you leave straight after so i think you need to build your own 
kind of excitement for the gig at some point because you are in the plane in the hotel and then so you need something like to and not preparing things sometimes is th that part like oh shit i don't know what to play oh shit i don't know what to do uh, let's see how it goes and i think like not because like ultimately like no matter how you could be prepared like you are turning up more often than not in front of a lot of people you never met like you have never been in a club or you don't know about the specific vibe of a place you couldn't know because you've never been there and you just turn up and something clicks and it just suddenly feels right and that's that's it yeah i mean to the point that you mentioned earlier about um just maybe having like a very regimented route to the gig like having a driver having the hotel etc etc I guess yeah it must be like it must feel freeing to just have this one section of the night where like you're there's no plan there's no schedule there's you're just doing it for me it is because actually there was there was a point that I was playing a lot and I was trying to prepare more things to be in the safe part of the of of the of playing you know it's like ah like let's uh, let's make a scheme of what is I'm going to start and and then I start being bored of myself so it's like no this doesn't work like i need it's it's way more uh work it, you need to think more about what you're going to play you need to be there maybe and just take m way more risk or whatever but at the end sometimes it's good sometimes it's better sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's bad but wh when it's good or amazing it's incredible sensation more than when you have everything like i'm going to play this and this and this and this or you make your own scheme i think this opens up to like a, what i find particularly interesting about different visions uh, that DJ can have with the crowd. There's people who'd really like to not only prepare, but like repeat certain transitions or they get their, they have their own tracks that become almost related to the, the artist itself. And I find it fascinating, but like I could never be that person. Like, I think there's two completely different worlds where you like, you turn up to certain gigs and you almost expect a gig type of thing where you go and see your you know favorite band or something and you expect at certain point to hear such and such song and then there's other styles i would get or you know other personalities you know where it's completely the opposite like i i don't know what i play until i'm actually there and people don't and then that, that becomes like more of a unique experience for me like that's definitely my kind of route you know and i guess like that impromptu like sense of like just going with the flow and doing it as you see it, it kind of yeah it must feel more exciting because like if you're if you're if you're like I guess if you're a DJ and you're you have like certain safe transitions in your head that are kind of like escape patches or like you know crutches maybe it makes it leads to you making safer choices during the course of a gig I don't think there's like a a better or worse you know position to be in it's just like a different approach to you know gigging and playing and maybe life too i don't know i don't i don't think i would feel good with myself if i repeated myself i would be bored like you were saying yeah. like i need i need to be the, the first one to be excited and that means that sometimes it's true you do end up taking risks that maybe the crowd doesn't get quite straight away but some other times it does work and when it does it just it's magic it's incredible something about your biography elena that caught my eye was um it describes your um parents as um having this sort of um giving you this free-spirited unconventional upbringing um i wondered if you could uh, elaborate on that okay it's a thing i think i've been fighting with for a long time up until my teenage year i was only 
I was always like the only one being, you know, with especially in Italy, with a vegetarian upbringing, with a non-religious upbringing, the only one spending Christmases, not with the family, but like, I don't know, meditation centers in India. And I remember just going like, fuck, you know, I really want to be like everyone else and, you know, exchanging presents and why do I always have to be the odd one in the entire school? And, and then eventually I was like, huh, hold on a minute, you know, like I'm actually... Uh, way more open than other people to like just being by myself and being open to experience things being a bit more curious it's i don't know it's a i never really saw it it's an advantage point with the music side i still i don't still don't see it that way but i think generally as a life i don't know approach a point of view i'm definitely more proud of it now it's um especially because I'm, you know, never in the same place for more than a certain amount of time. It kind of helps. So I guess like you were like, you know, you were rebelling against rebelling. Like you're, you're trying to, you get to that stage where you're conform, yeah. trying to conform to fit you in. You know, like there's, there's a normal, there's a usual pattern when you have like uh, really strict parents, you end up being the, you know, the one being, and I think my parents were the them, you know? <laughs> and then as a reaction also, like I didn't have maybe too much to rebel against. But at the same time, that made me really, I don't know, understanding also towards whoever didn't have this sort of upbringing. Like, I think it's just about, yeah, being open and understanding each other and thinking that no matter how different we are, we can all be at the same level, you know? Sure. Yuri, on the, my understanding of sort of your upbringing is it was a, maybe a bit more settled. I mean, you've lived in Barcelona for most of your life. Is that correct? Totally probably went on holiday like everyone else but Barcelona was like very much like your kind of your zone your you know where you where you were mm, no actually I had like quite a boring life uh, when I was a kid I only like my parents got divorced and then there was a lot of mess in between but just um, my life was I was going to the schools and then at like high school and things get um, funnier when I start going out actually and I start meeting people that they were not part of my group of friends and I started to understand things and get into music that I, it was not the the music that my friends from school were listening and I got in contact with many different people that maybe in my in another life I wouldn't I wouldn't and that made me change a lot the way I understood things and the way I was relation uh, relation getting into relations with people and so it's true that music change somehow the way I approach to the world. I have a question about Barcelona, actually. Yeah. I remember I remember being there for like a quite an, a long holiday around uh, maybe 2006 or something. And I was shocked by like the amount of after parties that were happening in there, like legal one in like venues and clubs and stuff. Are you legal like, ones? Yeah. <laughs> or at least I thought they were legal. <laughs> Oops. No. Okay. No. No. Not legal oh. ones, for sure. <laughs> Maybe well-organized, but not legal oh, ones. <laughs> Professional illegal parties. Professional <laughs> illegal. I remember liking that a lot, because like, it was... Yeah, um, there was some... It was already gone in Italy, like... Yeah. There was some in uh, in Poblenau, like, quite big, actually, going on. and But at some point, all I of I remember seeing Villa Lobos, actually, playing, like, in a tiny, tiny room. And yeah. just going, is this Villa Lobos? Like, was, playing in front of, like, 80 people? My favorite one was the fridge. It was called the fridge, <laughs> <laughs> and it was inside a meat fridge that it was. There was no ventilation and no like it was crazy. You were playing inside the fridge. It's like <laughs> this is not the safest place to put like like eighty people after like twelve hours of 
raving, but no one died. And you have to dance. <laughs> at, one po at one point, they. <laughs> yes. At one point. Yes. See, very well organized. Yeah. <laughs> you have to dance like really hard in a blanket. At one point, they stopped doing it. I don't know why. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so now that we've established your sort of respective upbringings, um, I'm sort of wondering about how you feel that's shaped your relationship to music. I don't know. I don't. I, again, I don't think there's like. I mean, there is a connection with music, of course. But then at the same time, it's like, like for example, he was saying that the upbringing like wasn't really how it started being connected with music. And I think to a certain extent, that's what happened to me too. Like there was always a lot of music in, you know, being played in at home, you know, from my parents and stuff, and a lot of music when I was traveling, but. I don't think the music I listened to back then or the music that I was surrounded by necessarily gave me a sort of direction. I think it's I think it's when you I think it's you make a conscious decision at some point of, you know, what you want to listen to. No, up until a certain age it's more like, oh, what's happening around you and you somehow taking in and no? Yeah, <laughs> for, I mean for me it was um my parents my mother especially never got music at home, not too much. But my dad is a blues collector and we've been always listening to these blues records in the car and it like blues is so sad always. You know, it's like it was like wow. That's the whole point. Yeah, holiday <laughs> yeah, holidays and blues is like I don't know, it was it was sometimes a bit bizarre like all this <laughs> and then like when I started going out I started meeting people that they were playing music and at that point I didn't know where to get that music. So when I was going to the clubs it was like where I can, wh what is this music? Wh where do you buy it? Where where do you, I mean, who 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 let you know which tracks or whatever? And then I started like this was the curious part for me of that world. Like that, I didn't know where to get that music, and that was the exciting part. And then I started discovering that there was places that they were selling records, like like of techno. I was like, wow! But everything got a sense going in a club and listening music to really high volume. That was the connection with everything, with the physical and emotional experience. So that really trapped me and I started like looking, but never had older brothers that they showed me music like, oh yeah, listen to this Joy Division record. No, never, never had, had any friend like, yeah, no, they were into death metal. So I don't know, never, never. Blues and death metal. Yeah, mm. any, any <laughs> anyone showed me an electronic record until I went to a club and I started meeting people that I never met before, and that was quite, uh, yeah, liberating how, for how me. How old were you when that happened? Um, uh, Seventeen. Right. Yeah. Um, does so like you you can't you know, you didn't have like the kind of older brother figure to kind of lean on because you know that's, there's a lot of times when like, that's just kind of how you get music that you that's outside yeah. your sphere. Did not having that person with you just make you hungrier to find stuff or was it like just you know no but it gets it gets weird for me i started i know before apex twin the new order you know and and then you you do this crazy back going backwards to know certain things because you didn't had contact before you know so it's maybe but that, but that can make it like even more beautiful because like i think when you have no preconception whatsoever about the music that you come across that's when you're the more hungry you know yeah. about it and you're like wow this is amazing Definitely. And you don't have the judgment that someone else would be like whoa you didn't know about this loser you know yeah but i hate that it's like yeah, can people stop like judging other people we all come from a different background we all have different i think even sharing music sometimes gets really like oh you didn't know this you don't <laughs> know this label mm. it's like 
you don't know this label, let me tell you about it. You know, <laughs> there's completely different approaches to, because ultimately there's so much stuff out there anyway that- Yeah, you miss a lot of you things. You miss so e much always, every yeah. day, you know? Yeah, you can be informed at the turn for every record release. So there is always something to discover. It's an interesting point I was going to get to a little bit later, but let's 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 dive into it now. Um, you know, as you're kind of searching for music, what's what's the play? How how do you like approach if you if you have like a, a day set aside, say where hey, I'm just going to like check some new music out. What's how do you do that? Whoa! Yeah. How long have we got? <laughs> mm. it, can, it can start in like <clears throat> various ways. Sometimes it's like someone approaching you about their own music, maybe. Or it could be the other way around. Maybe it, it's uh, for me like the only common denominator that this at some point there's always some sort of connection with other people, whether it's via email or you know via social media or like uh, after like we had something similar too. Like after you play, before after someone, and you're like, why? Wow, I remember this particular track that you know stayed with me, and that's how you just start talking. It doesn't mean that you necessarily become like best friends or you talk all the time, but that creates a new connection. And, and then this can ev evolve into like, I'm someone who likes to browse a lot online at the moment, but that's also because it's related to how much you tend to travel at some point. And like really late night kind of like browsing <laughs> before or after a gig, I get really excited. And then I don't even remember how I got from A to Z because there's so many, you know, interactions in between, but at some point there's always some sort of human experience or human connection and there's no rule really. I buy from everything and anything, you know. <laughs> and if I can't find it, then I will just get stuck on it for a few months until I find it, you know. Do you have a ritual in how you buy music? Um, it's it's really um, messy. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, like some, uh, there, there are times where like, I'll just go on Discogs and like go through a label to check out what that label's about but other times it's just like chaos just like going through mixes but i find even that like maybe like uh, i start with that kind of idea and then five minutes later i find myself focusing on one of the artists of the label and then there's like a new sub label that maybe doesn't exist anymore and then like trying to reach out to this person and you're like okay how do i find you and i had several occasions where i do end up emailing this you know info at blah 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 dot com and then maybe one year later the person replies and like yeah it was me <laughs> i'm not really doing music anymore sorry you know <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how do you feel about that whole question, Yuri? I spend a lot of time in Discos Paradiso in Barcelona, and every every week I go there because they are my friends. So, and I just go there and listen to records they received, or and then it's a mix between internet and YouTube's and just link hyperlinking somehow with stuff or maybe a record of an artist that I like and then brings you to another record and now internet is like quite interesting to find links of things that you never thought they were connected <laughs> you know or, or artists that is like, oh this guy was doing this it's like five different yeah, bands that you end up liking and you're yeah, like wow like, yeah, yeah and then somehow what I miss uh, sometimes from the digital um, is this like natural connection. Sometimes it's like it's it's because of the likes of people that they bring you to somehow. What do you mean? Like, like a lot of stuff, YouTube recommends you stuff that other people liked. So you end sometimes in the like, so now like a lot of times you go in the same. Yeah, in the center See, direction. See, this is something that I really never got into. Like, um, 
I think sometimes maybe I should. It's like YouTube You're talking playlists. about the YouTube algorithm, right? Like when you just let them play and they go like, I normally just check something out on YouTube quite quickly and then I just delete it and move on to like my own research. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just the way I do it. <laughs> and I have the same thing with uh, with Spotify. And I still, I just signed up and then I ended up- Yeah, Spotify is really a mystery <laughs> for me because I, as you said, I look a lot through labels. For me, labels are the curators of things that I like. And Spotify, you can, and iTunes, you can look by label. So for me, it's like useless. Like I, I don't, I, I never got into the artist thing of, oh yeah, no, I go through the label and I check some, and some releases in that label are super bad. And then others are amazing. It's like, who was the person they did this? It was the same people like doing the, doing like the, <laughs> the releases thing or like they changed maybe like the A&R and then this guy starts signing amazing things and then he left or you don't know but like for me like don't not having like a, a searching engine by labels it's like a big problem in Spotify and iTunes for example sure um i wanted to dig further into the musical uh, i guess taste aspect of things there you did a lecture for RBMA Yuri in like 2011 maybe and you were talking about this Dark Angelo track called yeah. Diagram oh, yeah. wow. 11 yeah. Uh, what was interesting about that is so Dar um, Dark Angelo are like this Italian IDM noise techno group like they're really good um, but like they have this the one track that you kind of highlighted was like this um, kind of some of their stuff is like really like rowdy and like hard but like this was quite a pretty track because it had this kind of like really nice melody and it was a bit like but had this like kind of sad vibe going on and I, it was interesting to me that like of all the tracks you could pick from their catalogue, which is like otherwise, you know, it's pretty, it can be pretty brutal occasionally. You pick like this quite nice melodic thing. And it kind of suggested to me that that was like, that kind of summed up like your musical preference. It's stuff that has like a tinge of darkness to it, but it's quite melodic and uplifting. That track especially is like, um, that was the, it was Nature, it was the Italian label, like the one I- I played. can't remember. I can't remember either. But like I, that track, I, I like it because um, it brings me some memories of uh, of like a night that I remember they closed one night with that track. And then that track has been always related to me, to that moment, and I can't separate it. So I'm really attached to it. And especially the way it's produced, the way like the, the, the melody gets in and out of tune all time with the chords. Um, I think in terms of production is quite interesting. I still, today, I don't know how they did it. Like, I don't know what was the way they produced it or they were playing the notes in a, and recorded separately or they did it at the same, I don't know. It's just, sometimes there are tracks that clicks your, your ear because you don't know how they did it. Like still today, you don't know how they recorded or you don't know how, which technique they used. And this is also interesting for me in terms of some tracks. Like I liked some of them because I don't know how they did it and that's interesting. Is that like sense of mystery <laughs> important for you as well when you just like sort of um, check out like a piece of music and you, you think, can't quite um, figure it out? I think the way I uh, get stuck with a track is more abstract <laughs> than that. There's definitely some sort of like, like the memory of something that has happened obviously plays a big role, but then if it's something fresh that I listen to, I can't quite explain what it is, but I do get particularly attached to certain tracks and 
and that that then becomes like a new kind of like spider web into like many other different directions and things but i don't i, I can't i can't explain or picture why i do get attached to tracks because if you look at them they're all really different if you listen to them they're all very different so there's different reasons there's different feelings connected to it it also depends on your mood at the moment when you when you're searching right it's like what what you've got in mind what you're looking for were there particular records or experiences that kind of like um helped you get into djing for me it wasn't a record it was a, a mixed cd of this guy i don't know if he still plays it was like this really underground guy from um brescia which is a city near where i'm from in italy and i think he was playing this uh these after parties that i've never managed to go to and uh, I, I might still have the CDs somewhere. And he, he just played like some banging electro with really fast transitions. And I just really liked it. And I thought I wanted to play that way. So I got myself two turntables, two belt turntables and oh. tried, to, <laughs> tried to mix on those. Like and the, the, the result was a bit of a disaster, but I, you know, I kept on going secretly without really telling anyone I wanted to do it. This was like maybe a couple of years before I moved from Italy to London. And you moved to London in 2008? 2008, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I moved to London, still took my time to like go out as much as I could, check out nights. And and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to put on a night. I know what's missing and I think I can, you know, fill that gap. So you were like kind of scoping the scene basically? You'd like I was just having fun, but let's let's say at the same time I was kind of like studying the scene, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> studying. Um, uh, what about you, Yuri? What's, um, what, what kind of got you into... into DJing and like, whatnot. I was going to clubs and I was like, I don't know. I remember the DJ being in a corner and no one was paying attention to it. I was like, oh, where's the music coming from? It's like, oh, it's this guy in the corner. It's like, okay, I'm going to check it. And then it was like records and a mixer with eight channels. I was like, well, what, is, what is he doing there? Like, <laughs> he's playing the music from there. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then, I don't know, I, like, I got like older friends and they were all playing records and stuff. And I started like, it was like really like... Um, like for fun, like it was, and it was the way I was discovering music. Uh, it was through them and through the way they were playing and the music they would like it. So my first years in electronic music were super influenced by this group of people from Barcelona that I owe them like a lot of my, the stuff I know today and the way I moved through music genres and, and stuff that was into it. And I remember, for example, like I was going to clubs and it was one night it was Dave Holm, David Holmes, and the next day it was the Reflex people, and the next day it was like DJ Assault playing like 145 BPM. He still do the same mixes though. I seen him recently, and he still does the same mixes. Like well, music sounds better. With, yeah. Music sounds better with you. <laughs> but yeah, like, it was yeah. It was like wow. Like um, there was like people was going out without kind of having expectations of the night and they didn't know what to expect of every music. And I remember one night David Holmes was playing and everyone was like, ooh, in front of him, like, ooh, go away. Let the resident play techno, ooh, go. And the guy was like, yes. Like, <laughs> he was somehow enjoying that moment. He was like, I was like, wow, I really like this. Like, <laughs> like he was somehow enjoying the way, like, people was like, ooh, go home. Like, wow, it must be, like, not so easy to be there, like, playing what you like and having people, like, go out, go out. And somehow I got like, yeah, I liked it. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to be that person. <laughs> Not that one at that exact moment, but no, what I'm, what I'm missing a bit today is like people goes with a lot of uh, preconceived ideas to a club night. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. And it's before a bit it too was, much. Yeah. yeah. And before it was like, 
uh, who's playing today? Like, I don't know what he's playing. I don't even know like what music to expect. And it was craziness because sometimes you were leaving the, cl the club super angry. It's like, oh, the music, I hate it today. But sometimes it was magic and you discover a lot of things in that night and or a new artist or... So I like these things that, I mean, you can never be good to everyone. There is always someone gonna leave the venue not unhappy, unhappy. Yeah. and you need to know that it's gonna happen and it, it's, it's it's normal that it happens you can't be everywhere or for everyone in one night sometimes like the majority of people likes it and sometimes the majority dislike it or someone but knowing this it's way more relieving at some point it's like you you feel like relieved knowing that some people will leave and they will hate you that <laughs> night because you were not playing what they listened in a podcast five years ago yeah, yeah i mean that kind of um segs into like another um thing i was thinking about and you know given what you've said how to what degree are you playing to the playing to the crowd because obviously you know you're never. aware that you're aware that like <laughs> <laughs> never play to the never um you're sort of aware that like not everyone not all of them are going to be happy with what you've played or how you've done so like what's what's the play there i think as you know with a the bottom i think you have to maintain a bit of respect like you can't turn up in a festival but maybe like everyone else on the lineup is playing like happy house and you just turn up and like play like sad, sad house. yeah super <laughs> sad house or you know anything like extremely like against it or you know like you do like a one hour noise set or whatever you know it's like but at the same time i think the whole point is that you are doing what feels right for you you need to captivate you need to feel you know the reaction of the people in front of you too but ultimately you need to do your thing and if that it's in that specific moment feels like taking a new risky turn i'm way more respectful of people who take the risk and take a new turn rather than try and please the crowd i also think there's especially in britain but i've never seen anywhere else i don't know if it exists there is this different side of clubbing where people expect you not only to play what pleases them but to the point where they come and do requests so you know I've never really seen anywhere else and I still do not understand it because from where I'm from you used to go clubbing not even knowing what the DJ was not even caring about that you would come back home and remember some particular tunes that the DJ played and they start talking about it with friends and then that would lead to someone like share some tapes and the complete like clubbing experience was, was more about the memory of it where luckily even though like not in places where I play I did experience like maybe like pub so you know in England where people turn up to such and such DJ and just go like you want to play this and they show you the phone link or you know it's my birthday and it's like <laughs> stay Great. home and listen to your playlist <laughs> why why are you out clubbing <laughs> but no I never get it I actually want to ask you why is this happening <laughs> I, I don't know I'm not an authority on on uh on UK requests, requests. <laughs> uh what do they ask for you? What have you, like, what's it, what's, I mean, I guess there's maybe not like such a thing as a typical request, but like, has a request ever been like good? No, I think, I think I've been lucky enough not to have, <laughs> no, you've got something to say. I remember once I was in, I was in Lithuania in, in this club, uh, uh, Opium in Vilnius, and I was playing like slow. <laughs> and then a girl came to me, it's like, please, can you play slower? <laughs> 
yeah, sure. <laughs> How many VPMs? One sec. <laughs> How many VPMs do you need it? Like to play? It's like it's the first time in my life they told me, "Can you play That's lower?" That's quite a particular yeah, club. I, lo- yeah. I loved it. I was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go slower for sure." Like, <laughs> yeah, like it never ever asked That's anyone. That's a secret ask request. <laughs> That's a pretty secret request. Yeah. yeah, like usually it's the other way around. Can you play slower? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was talking uh, to this. Um, I was having a chat with someone from the um, Ransom not recently, this guy, and he told me that he got a request in Corsica Studios for someone to play like a Britney Spears birthday song. He had to actually stop the music in Corsica Studios. You, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, the comparison here, what would it be? But it's kind of like a, a serious club where, you know, you can Did he play it? <laughs> it's like, can just stop the music and play this birthday song and people were having apparently enough fun that he thought it was funny too and he didn't mind but I would go nuts I would just go like go home why did you pay the ticket to come and see me it's like, it doesn't make any sense right we drink a lot <laughs> so, yeah true uh, that's another subject that's yeah <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's probably the only ready made excuse I have to explain that uh, I, I want to talk to talk about um Back to backs. But that request was sick. Yeah. Can you just raise lower? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is this enough? I, I was uh, really afraid because the, the girl was, I, I saw her like from the end of the room, from the bar coming <laughs> to me. I was like, oh shit, like, there we go. And then I saw crawling <laughs> through the stage. I was like, yes, there we go. Like, and I was like, wow, can you play slower? I was like, sure. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> did, did she seem happy after you did it? Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's also the problem. I don't think they never get happy. Uh, yeah, it's like a, it could lead to something more dangerous. You always want more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never satisfied. Um, back to backs. Uh, I it's, love uh, them. Great. Do you love them, Yuri? <laughs> Depends. It's like a, it's like a thing when you do too often, you hate them, and when you don't do them too often, it's funny. But it depends with who. Funny. I mean, yeah, it depends with who. Like you need to find like the good partner. Like what, to, to what makes them. a good partner? Someone that plays what you don't really expect to, and that makes it way funnier. Although for people sometimes can be really crazy, and they they can they sometimes they can follow it. What I like from I mean, I like DJs that they can play different genres and they can be eclectic, but they always trace a line that you can follow. I mean, playing whatever, playing whatever you want and any track from any genre is quite f- easy. You can play an Afro track and then later a techno track. And, but like doing something that people can follow and it's related somehow and it brings you to this and this and this, it's what I find more difficult to do. Like when there is like this kind of connected thing. And this story is sometimes hard to make and sometimes you don't manage to find a way to do it. And sometimes you... But a good partner is sometimes someone that can build a story with you together in the in the in the club set and sometimes it happens and sometimes not and you know you know that like back to backs is like a 50% chances it's going to be good or I also think like potentially like a, a broken story with a back to back can can make up can ultimately make a better story because you're just like okay what's happening now you know it's like yep. i don't I don't necessarily believe in like, oh, happy, successful, linear, boring, not boring things, but you know, like when things are too nice, there's no stimuli, you know? And I think what I like the most about Back to Back is exactly that, is the opposite. It's like not knowing what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. 
five even yeah, yeah, and that, the fact like that whatever the other person plays like stimulates you and you're like i've got something for this or i don't fuck that's what do i that's, do that's, that's what know? i really like <laughs> when, like when the the track <laughs> the track when someone played before you it's it's a challenge for the next track of yours and, and i think you have to be very respectful no matter you know no matter if you know each other from before or you don't or if you like each other taste i think like turning up and playing with a complete stranger also for me is like super exciting because yeah. you have to get to know each other by playing together yeah. and find a place that you are comfortable both of yeah and and but maybe i've been lucky also but like i think most of the time at the end of the set i got this new energy and this new vibe of someone that i didn't know before the the problem for me is that nowadays a lot of festivals that they don't have too much slots or whatever they try to bring back to backs to have more people in the lineup just that is the excuse and this is like a wrong conception Agreed, yeah yeah it's like you need to put back to backs when you're excited to have someone playing for a reason but not to have more lineup in your Present, in your yeah. festival you know like to sell more tickets to have more more names because actually some of them is like can you do a back to back with this with this guy like one hour and a half it's like no it's just like why like it's this is seven tracks each i feel bad you know I, I, I can't do anything with seven tracks in an hour and a half like it doesn't have any sense and i must uh, you know uh, the appeal of a back-to-back -back might depend on like your mixing style as well because if you're if you're mixing long tracks and blending them a lot then you're i guess you have less time to do it what becomes, you're doing yeah less exciting yeah, yeah. definitely um, faster transitions make more of a thing yeah. yeah yeah if you're like dj stingery or someone yeah. on the other hand it's like yeah fine <laughs> yeah i'm so <laughs> down consistent constantly on that thing um what like so you know we, we kind of touched on the idea of like what makes a not so good back-to-back -back. what does it feel like when something's like when you're not either not bonding with that person or like just something doesn't feel right i haven't had that so far I had it sometimes. I mean, sometimes you are playing with, uh, sometimes even when I, uh, we do a lot of uh, stuff with, with uh, Astala Bowman and we play together and sometimes like, for it's sure. You and Axel Bowman, right? Yeah, yeah, Axel's gonna play a track that I don't like and I'm gonna play a track that Axel doesn't like and I, I can totally see, but we have a rule. Never, you can never take it out. It's like, this is the rule. Like the rule is like, you need to survive with that. You need to, you need to work with that. Even if you hate it, even if you just, it's the worst track you ever heard, you need to work. That's a bit harsh. Yeah, but you need to work on that. I like, think to a certain extent, this is what I meant with, you know, res respectful. I mean, like not turning up and have, it's all about not having an ego at all. And just like soaking whatever track is coming in yeah. and just try and do something with it, you yeah. know? I, I find it almost like easier to escape a bad moment when you're playing back to back with someone else than when you're trying to escape a bad moment that you created yourself. Because then you're really like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I did this. <laughs> okay. Um, does does like playing a back to back always involve? I mean, I think I know the answer to this question, but does it involve like always involve this sort of form of compromise? Yes, but in the best possible way, I find. Because again, like you, you have really no idea what kind of direction you're taking, and like we just said, like if there's something played that doesn't quite feel right for you, that's also another challenge. And making, you know, turning into what you want it to be is like, yes, you know, this is cool again. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, for for me, like when especially it's um, when I do back to backs with someone that I know. Um, sometimes I like to speak 
about music with the person before because that makes that gives me a bit of background also and I'd like to do that after you see after, yeah. yeah but like only I, after you're like wow what was that tune that you played halfway through and then you become like this really long email exchange <laughs> <laughs> but with actually it's easy because we more or less we work as an act so everything is more clear I mean I don't do so many back-to-backs with people that I never played before because it, as I told you, uh, sometimes I feel it's just an excuse to have more people in the lineup, just to have more names in the bill and just not for the reason of excitement of having a back-to-back. So it doesn't, it's not worth it to do it. Um, I was listening to a back-to-back that you did, Eleanor, with um, Interstellar Funk. I think it was like another de- another Deck Mantle event. And um, I was kind of like about an hour in, I heard this track that I kind of recognised from like my misspent university youth. Track ID, track ID, track ID. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what, what is that? What is that? And it was like a slowed down version of uh, the Vitalik track. Yes. La Rock, great track, by the way, uh, whether fast or slow. But like, um, I learned that that's something that you do now and then, like where you just like slow, like um, mess with the tempo of a track so you might play it on 33 or all the time, yeah. 45. Um, how did you? I'm, I'm very stubborn about not missing out on tracks that I want to play. Okay, more specifically, let's say you pack your records. You have to decide a little bit, you know, in which direction you're going to go, but also how slow or fast you want to be, unless you want to have five record bags with you. Uh, And I don't like that. I like to have complete freedom and have, you know, I like to be able to change idea while I'm playing. And because of that, I often have two different tempos of the same track or I try to keep them right in the middle so that I know that I can go really one way or the other so that's it <laughs> yeah. um when did you when did you start developing this thing a good, a good question I don't know I think it just came naturally I think okay I think it's it's not me necessarily coming with the idea or oh, I'm gonna mess up with the tempo it's more like the music that I come across and I want to play range from really different tempos. And instead of deciding to stick to just a certain, you know, um, to like divide it into like slow or faster and decide that for, for, for a specific set, I'm gonna do one or the other. I just find ways to mix them together all the time. I don't, I don't like to have something left out just because it's a little bit too fast or too slow. So I have to find shortcuts to be able to play both. And sometimes this means that you just have to play some, completely beatless thing at some point in the set or some acapella or whatever but more often than not I like to still have the the um, the ability you know to mix it through and I think yeah that's it <laughs> um are there similar techniques that you have Yuri or like things like things that um that enable you to have more choices to what to play because you you know or you obviously play the tip like the tempos you play are slightly slower so maybe you have like things that you, you you know you make you might make an edit of something for example or you might um do as elena does and slow something down is, is that something that occurs to you a lot yeah i uh, yeah i do quite a lot like slowing and uh edits and stuff for for playing um sometimes even being quite unrespectful actually some edits like oh shit i hope no one recognized this because it's so unrespectful <laughs> to do it change the tempo and you change, <laughs> change the, the intro and add the... stuff and a hi-hat and it's just like no please <laughs> this is totally unrespectful. i think that's the one thing like the only feedback 
slightly negative feedback I got back from people, especially with really slow new track that I like, but they're kind of too slow for me to be able to play it with, you know, a slow Vitalik track or whatever. It's like, that's the only moment when they're like, oh, I heard you play my track, thank you. Wow, it was so fast. And, and I'm like... <laughs> you have to you have to create two versions i'm sorry because like, even when you rip records okay this is another technique potentially you rip a record and you decide whether do you want to play it on 45 or 33 plus eight or minus eight but there's still a gap in between like for example recently i found myself buying quite a lot of um old um italian proto techno from like the early 90s and uh, the original tempo is so fast that even a 33 not even plus eight minus eight yeah. it's still too fast <laughs> so i have to rip it that way and then do it digitally to get it to a tempo that is just about okay for me to play it out and it's, it's they sound amazing to be honest i still do it i still like it but i don't think it's necessarily going like just lowing down on, you know, it's about finding what's the right you know but also not only for the tempo for me it's just like some tracks played at 33 they completely change the, they sound the, completely the, different, the, the yeah. sound it's like yeah. another track it's like wow it is what, another like track, the yeah. melodies have more space and it's more the percussions are way more dynamic and then suddenly it's like wow this track i would never like pay attention in in this yeah. normal but it's low it's amazing it's like, a, like one, a perfect two one two. also thing that i like a lot about It's kind of slightly more like old track than you can slow down or, you know, potentially mess around with the tempo. It's normally they're like super cheap records than the one wants. Yeah. And I'm so against this like bubble of like spending loads of money because one record becomes trendy and I really hate it. I mean, Discogs is great for culture because I think it just opens your eyes to whatever you want to learn. But on the flip side, it's creating this really unfair market, I think, towards artists and label. I, I'm very torn about it. And I find myself talking about it with with people a lot. They like maybe mention this one particular record. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I bought it when it came out. And then you just look it up on Discogs and like going for 70 pounds. And it's like this is really unfair. It shouldn't be that way or 100 or whatever. You know, what what do you think? I don't know. Like I have, yeah, I, I don't care too much about prices. But if there is a record that I want to buy and it's expensive, sometimes I pay it, but sometimes I don't. I mean, I don't I don't buy records for the price. But if, but if something if, you really want, but ends if there up is being something that I really want yeah. or I like, I can pay some prices. And yeah, I mean, if it's a nice, if it's a nice record, and like also I'm in love with the formats and stuff. So sometimes it's records that they <coughs> press like 300 in the 79. So like, how is everyone gonna have it or whatever? Yeah, it's sure. Like, it's like and. Do you yes. not try to get in touch with the artist though when you have the possibility? I do. I prefer to go that way and try. Well, I, I would rather basically. I try that once and. I got Didn't the wrong person <laughs> and they tried to rip me out. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, it was a bit strange, but no, no. no. no.